and an upcoming new book from political satirist and author P.J. O'Rourke, who joins me here at the desk. I'm going to hold this up because I'm not sure. Well, there it is. Don't vote. It just encourages. I don't even know if I can say that. Yeah, we had a little debate before we went on the air whether we can say my book title on the air. But I think when you call a, a politician's bastards, considering the other things you could call them, I think we're safe. <laughs> now, this book, this book comes out end of September. It does. It, and it's no accident, I'm sure, that it's time no. for the midterm election cycle. No, no it is not. You're, are you pandering here to the cynicism in America a little yes, bit? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I am. I think probably the core message of the book is uh, it's about voting. And I'm trying to remind Americans that we don't vote to elect great men. They're not that great. <laughs> we vote to throw the bastards out. That's really <laughs> happening in spades, right? It is happening in spades, and I think it's a very healthy sign in, in the United States. And really, the, the theme of this book, it's not, a, um, uh, it's not just an anti-incumbent book or anything like that. It's really about the growth of politicization in our society, that we're making politics part of everything, that we're allowing the political sector to expand. And, and here's the danger in that. Um, we've all been on committees. The minute someone joins a committee, a wonderful person, a smart person, a public-spirited person, once they get on a committee, they immediately suffer from committee brain. Mm -hmm. We've all been on that committee. You know, they get to be they get an, a fixed idea, they become a dog in the manger, they become wildly over-enthusiastic, over-optimistic, uh, over-pessimistic. Committees turn people into idiots. And politics is a committee. Giant committee, yeah. Let's take Europe there for a moment. Uh, the idea of passing dress codes for grown-ups? I mean, what possible business is it of politics to say whether a lady... I remember my mother wearing a veil, a hat with a veil. Women used to wear... Sure. It was a, you In know, the U.S. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I'd love to come home, you know, be a congressman and come home and tell my wife I'd passed a law against her wearing um, <laughs> skinny jeans. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. You said this is not, this is not a diatribe against incumbents, but no. I think there's no doubt that there's a lot of anger in the U.S. A lot of oh, anti-incumbent And of course I hope to tap into that. Of course. <laughs> I'm not angry myself because I've been writing about politics for 40 years and what do you expect? You know, I mean, uh, I, I am, uh, uh, I sort of feel like, uh, you know, I'm the guy that cleans up at the elephant house, you know, and I am not shocked at what I have to clean up, you know, I mean, because I've been in the elephant house for, for well, 40 years. <laughs> let, let, let me ask you a serious question. When you're, when you're inside the Beltway in Washington, yeah. I mean, everything goes through a political prism. Yeah, you get does. outside the Beltway and, and less so. But have you seen recently a more partisan time, a time where the sniping is at the level it is now? Because every issue, it seems, just divides hardcore down party lines. Uh, you know, I don't think I've seen as politicized a time in a while. But when we talk about, oh, the partisan anger in America right now, uh, I, I think we're having, we're, we're having a very short memory here. The civil rights movement. I mean, within the lifetime of the. But still goes back right thirty here. years, though. I mean, it does go back thirty years, but I mean, talk about anger and hatred. Mm. Opposite the war in Vietnam, the, the pro and, and, and anti-war in Vietnam, the McCarthy era, um, the uh, uh, you know we go back to Roosevelt administration to the America Firsters, uh, and I'll give you the example. I think the category killer, civil war. Now that's po angry political that, That's anger in America. <laughs> yes, exactly. What, what about the emergence of the Tea Party? Where, where, where do they fit into this you whole... You know, interesting. I don't, I don't... I'm not any expert on this. But I am, I'm sort of fascinated, though, in this one sense. America's always had populist movements. And um, 
most populist movements demand what we call in political science call positive right. You know, two right, negative rights are the right to be left alone. Free speech is a negative right. My right to say something doesn't step on your right to say something unless, you know, I step on you, you know. Uh, um, but a positive right is a thing like Social Security benefits, Medicare benefits, uh, and, and so Most populist movements demand some sort of positive right. That doesn't mean they're wrong. For instance, the, the, the civil rights movement was demanding a, a positive right of enforcement of our laws. We want our laws enforced. They were totally right, but they were demanding a positive right. They wanted government to do something. Tea Party is very interesting. They seem to want the government to do less, or at least not to do more. Very rare. So I was talking to a group. Somebody asked me this very question at the lecture I was giving. They said, well, and I gave that answer. And I said, name me another populist group. You know, the radical Republicans from the 19th century, the Greenbackers, the, the progressives. Uh, from the early 20th century, name me another populist movement that hasn't wanted any new positive rights. And somebody in the back of the room said, the Whiskey Rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> said, point taken. Finally, uh, PJ, the, the big story in the news every day for the last month and has been this oil spill yeah. in the Gulf. And the, and the politics around that's kind of interesting. We had this congressman from Texas yesterday who came out and kind of infamously apologized to BP and then apologized for the apology. But what do you think the impact? <laughs> yeah, he was confused, and so was I by the time. The, but the president really has a lot on the line here. He does. And and what's course, your take on that? Well, I, I think it serves as a pretty good example of the limits to political ability. Uh, we cannot vote that oil away. You know, there is, there is a limit to what we can do politically. Of course, there are things we can do politically. I mean, should we be better organized, getting the Coast Guard to coordinate with that wonderful agency, FEMA, uh, who was so successful during Katrina? Uh, and Ronald Reagan once said, 10 most dangerous words in the English language are, I'm from the federal government and I'm here to oh, help. I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it, 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 that is a technical uh, uh, difficulty, and no amount of political posturing keeps that oil from pouring out of the bottom of the seafloor. Uh, it's going to take a machine, it's going to take people, it's going to take expertise, um, and, and, and no amount of going in front of the nation and, 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 and giving a fancy speech is going to fix it. And finally, we, did, we didn't read from the book, but, but frankly, we'd have a hard time doing that. There's some pretty rough language. In I here. have an apology right at the front of the book, an apology for my vulgar language, and I said that uh, I'm sorry, I, I've used a lot of barnyard terms, but it's kind of a barnyard. It's a, a, I excuse my vulgar language, but it's a vulgar blanking subject. <laughs> <laughs> P.J. O'Rourke with the book Don't Vote, It Just Encourages the Bastards. Now if I'm in trouble, I guess you're in trouble with me. Yeah, we're all in trouble. Thanks, thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Well.